There we go. Welcome back to another episode of Friday Night Counterattack. We are back again. Uh, this one's a part one of a part two on this podcast. So later on, we're going to be talking to uh, non-league footballer Sean Higgins. And it's going to be fantastic to learn from him about um, the life of a non-league footballer in England and what he's going to get up to in pre-season so far, which would be good fun. And to begin the podcast, if you clicked on the title, you know we're talking about Tottenham Hotspur today. So who better to, to bring on for our Tottenham Hotspur chat than Oli, our resident Tottenham Hotspur fan, all the way out in Vietnam. Oli, it's good to see you again, my friend. How are you doing? Yeah, good to see you too, man. Hopefully, uh, obviously, I'm out in Vietnam, so hopefully the connection between us isn't too bad and your listeners are, aren't deafened by my uh, speaker quality. <laughs> nah, it's all good. They, they, they know it's you and it's coming from Vietnam as well. And shout out to all of our Vietnamese listeners out there as well, back in, back in Vietnam, which will be good. Um, but yeah, Oli, just so we can get back to where we were kind of speaking of with Tottenham as well. I mean, we predicted it kind of before in mid-season you'd finish for European football, but we never knew you'd finish for Champions League football. So first things first, how gassed are you that next season you are in the Champions League and you, <laughs> you may actually get to see some really good football and really good players coming into Spurs um, this summer? No, I'm still laughing at the Arsenal capitulation, to be honest. Like, I don't know, I felt it. I just... When they had that game against Newcastle, like the energy around around Spurs was they were gonna blow it. Mm. And I don't know, it makes it so sweet the fact that Arsenal blew it, you know. <laughs> um, can't believe we got it because the amount of times I said, no, nah, it's never gonna happen. Even like the time we lost to Burnley and like Conte went mad like to the to the press conference after. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's never gonna happen. And then just the consistency ever since. Um well, it, it kind of deserved it in a way because top four, it's like, it's the it's the best of a bad bunch, really. But the way we finished the season compared to the way Arsenal finished, yeah, definitely I was so gassed to get it, man. And the, the quality of players we can attract now, it's just, oh, it's, it's good times to be a, to be a year. <laughs> I mean, even in January when you got um, Kulisevsky and you got Ben Tankor in as well, quality players that you got who actually enforce that team a bit further as well because you always had that missing piece of the puzzle midfield and Benton I thought was a fantastic player for you to actually sign as well and Kulisewski was in shout for being one of the best players of the season one of the best ever January signings that we've ever seen and especially in that game against Man City and even against Liverpool to be fair as well he did really well um, in your attack and the way that Conte plays as well I'm really looking forward to seeing where he will be building next for, for Tottenham Hotspur as well um, going yeah, forward Kulosevsky was just like, yeah, instant impact and uh, exactly what the team needed at the time. And yeah, he's just firing like non-stop assist goals. Yeah, love that guy, man. <laughs> I'm really interested to see what you think of Ivan Perisic because even Perisic has already signed on a free transfer as well, Ali. And where do you reckon he'll play? Do you reckon he'll be part of that top three with Son, Kane and uh, uh, Kulosevsky or do you reckon he'll be a left wing back under... Um, Antonio Conte for Tottenham Hotspur? Well, our team's definitely crying out for the left wing-back position. So I feel like that will be his his main role. But my, my feeling is that Conte is just trying to build a squad, you know. He's not looking at a first team anymore. He's looking at a whole squad. Like, he's trying to copy, like, the concept of, you know, you've got your Liverpools, you've got your cities. You, they can rotate. So I feel like Perisic will be good to, to have him on the as the left wing-back when... You know, when we're playing teams like a lesser opponent and they're, they're in a low block and we're just trying to create something, I feel like he'll be the guy. Um, 
But I feel I feel like he can play anywhere, man. So yeah, top three it's going to be really exciting to see a player of that caliber. Uh, yeah, we would never have got him without Conte and uh, Paratici. So Shout yeah, exciting. What, what do you think? What do you know about Perisic? Where do you think he'll play? Perisic is one of those players that you've seen torment English sides for years, man, as like a winger, proper like left-sided, right-footed winger, always cutting inside, but both-footed as well. So mm. I think him being a utility player in this Conte side will be fantastic to really see how um, he'll actually be playing because I don't think it'll be a right wing. I think it'll be rather left winger. Maybe um, in, like, in like those Carling Cup games, Carling Cup, in those League Cup games, FA Cup <laughs> games, and especially this season as well, uh, this season coming up in the Premier League, you do get five substitutes as well. So just like you mentioned there, Oli, I agree in terms of the fact you're building a squad to compete with the likes of Liverpool, City, Chelsea, who have so many people on the on the bench that they can bring on of quality, not just like reserves or youth team players that they need to fill the bench up with, with people who you can actually bring on and actually impact the game properly as well. And there are talks of Steven Bergwijn leaving as well. So even if Bergwijn was to leave, Perisic, I still think, could do a job in that front three of... Um, Definitely. Of, of Tottenham Hotspur as well, because even with them, when they're playing with a low block, the front three will stay up and Perisic has still got the pace as we've seen in Syria and for, and for Croatia as well. It's still got the pace and the agility to still play as an attacking winger as well, which would be yeah. really good. Well, people are saying he's pretty much in the form of his life right now, so he's not slowing down at all. No, at all. Yeah. I mean, he's, rein, he's reinvented under Conte like a lot of players have been and seeing him do well after Conte left for... Um, for Spurs, it shows that he's doing really well. And I know Inter finished second or third in Serie A, but Perisic is still running wild. And we've seen a lot recently over the last five, ten years of all these players that are getting to their 32s, their 33s, their 34s, and they're not slowing down at all. They're not looking at retiring because you know what? They are still at their peak of their powers and they can still do things that they probably never could ten years ago because of the mentality they have as a footballer as well, which is great to see. And it, yeah, and it, it boils over to like my personal life as well. When I see these older players, who you know, we're approaching our thirties, and I see them and like the condition of their life, and it gives me confidence that you know I can I can keep my fitness up just as they are. Obviously, I'm not comparing the level, but you can really take care of your body these days. And there's enough like science out there and the nutrition to to leave, leave, lead a good life, and you know, keep keep playing football until you're old. Definitely. So, it's no, great it's really great to see, and it's really inspiring as well to see that you there's no there's no ageism out there in terms of whatever you're doing in your life, in terms of what sport you're playing or how you're keeping healthy. You really can just develop yourself further as well. And uh, mm. even Perisic is such an example of that as well. But as we are speaking right now, Ollie, at the time of recording, there has been an announcement that Tottenham Hotspur have agreed a 25 million pound deal with Yves Basuma, and there is going to be a medical happening today. Um, at the time of speaking for Yves Basuma from Brighton for £25 million, £30 million with add-ons. What a steal that is, man. Yves Basuma, what a guy. What a, I, I've wanted him at Man United. Um, Salim, our co-host, who's normally on, he was like literally, he really wanted him at um, Aston Villa, but they got Bubakar Kamara as well as a holder midfielder. But what's your first thoughts to this? Because you've got Fraser Forster, you've got Perisic, who we just mentioned. Now you've got Basuma more or less coming through, it's almost confirmed um, to come to Spurs. What do you think about that? Well, firstly, as a Spurs fan, I'm used to like them deadline deals and uh, getting shafted, like players leaving. So the yeah. fact I'm seeing like my team 
like straight, even before like uh, the transfer window opened, we signed yeah, Fraser Foster up, uh, Perisic, and now to see our first like proper kind of signing with like actually it's not free. I'm not. I'm like touch wood. Like I'm scared he's not coming just because I remember when Willian was coming and then he uh, did the medical yeah, yeah. With Spurs and went Chelsea. So I'm still a bit like I'll, I'm not going to get too gassed. But what a player, man! Exactly what our team needs as well. I feel like his defense, um, his defensive qualities are like just that level above what we have now. Um, I'm not too sure about his passing. I've seen some um, some stats that he's actually. He, when he does attempt passes, long range and stuff, he's, he's really good. His and our team accuracy isn't as good as Hjolberg, Skip or Bentangor's, but it's better than Harry Winks's. Who's, Harry Winks is meant to be <laughs> that guy who's meant to be passing the ball a lot as well. So he's just got better interception, interceptions and tackles per 90 minutes as well. Uh, these are stats I'm reading off from Opta at the moment as well. Yeah. So the fact that he can do that from a holding midfield role, but he does have the energy to burst forward as well. It's really good to see that he's another guy that can hold down that midfield and how Spurs mm. have been playing with that uh, three-four-three formation as well, having someone who can cover a lot of ground going forward and going uh, back as well. Bisuma would be fantastic for Spurs. Uh, I've seen people compare him to like also like a bit of a Musa Dembele role where he will mm. pick up the ball in difficult positions and he'll get free and open up the pitch. So you know we never really replaced Musa Dembele. So. Oh, I'm excited. Like, it feels like it's already a done deal, but I'm still like, holding off hope. Like, I'm a bit worried still, but let's see, man. Let's see. He should be, as I said, like a great player. Now we've got to focus on building a squad. So he'll be like fantastic. He is my guy that I wish Man United had signed, but I'm just really happy that he's gone to a bigger him. club. Because I was, I was watching him, really, I really needed him as well. I really needed him, uh, someone of his quality, someone of his calibre. And it's been one of those things that's been going on for a good couple of years now when Bissouma has actually been linked with a lot of these teams, these bigger clubs as well. And like you said, if it does go through, you've, you've signed players like Undombele, who hasn't really uh, gone well. Deli Ali had a really bad way to end his career at um, uh, Spurs as well. But even just like you said, you hadn't really replaced Moussa Dembele and Bissouma could be another alternative to Moussa Dembele. Probably a mix of Wanyama and Dembele, I would say, as well, personally. Got a bit of both in him from what I've seen. Um, at Brighton and I got to, I got the pleasure of watching Man United versus Brighton last season as well at Old Trafford and Basuma just absolutely obliterated McTominay and, and Fred and Matic in that mm-hmm. field as well and you're just kind of there like it's in front of our eyes 60,000 people can see this 70,000 people can see this he's good enough to play for us just bring him yeah. into the club it needed to be done but shout out to Pe- uh, Petrici for actually getting that sorted for Spurs as well which would so be I really can't good. believe we've, yeah, we've, we've, we've pulled it off mm. Like so cheap, I don't know. Surely there's other teams interested. That's yeah, but let's see what happens. <laughs> Par- Paratici, I mispronounced the name, not Patrici. Paratici. 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 <laughs> I'll say it with, an, with a with a uh, Italian. Maybe accent. a hand gesture as well. Yeah. Use Paratici. Your hand. <laughs> yeah. Paratici. You, can't, you, you can't forget it now. Paratici. That, that'd be cool. <laughs> we're um, probably saying it wrong still, but <laughs> we're probably butchering his name on this podcast, which ain't no one as well. Really isn't the one. Oh my days, man. Now again, we're going back into Spurs as well. Jed Spence has been a revelation this season um for middle for Middlesbrough and Nottingham Forest um last season as well, especially getting them promoted in the in the Premier League as well. He's now being linked with a move from Spurs to, uh, to Spurs from Nottingham Forest. And obviously that'd be quite a step up for him from championship football straight into Premier League football as well. 
But you've also got the likes of Emerson Royale, Matt Doherty there as your right backs as well. What do you know of Jed Spence, Oli? And do you think he'd be a suitable replacement or even just a backup for uh, Doherty mm. or Emerson? So I'm, I'm quite excited about this one because obviously he showed his quality in the FA Cup against big teams. Uh, mm. The one I'm thinking is Arsenal. Yes. When it was at, with Forrest. And um, yeah, he's called the eye. Apparently Dortmund are interested in him. Uh, there's a, yeah, there's a, I think there's a whole host of clubs. Obviously, none of Forrest want to retain him, but you know, it seems like he, if Conte wants him, and you know, is crying out for a really good right back and right wing back. And if Conte feels like he can develop him, um, yeah, from what I've seen of him, just I like the way he's he's trying to attack, you know, and he's getting he's putting crosses in, and I think you know we need the English quota as well. So I really want to get this one done. Because um, I don't really trust Emerson Royale, uh, and Doherty was doing a great job, but you know he picked up the injury. Will he come back strong again? I don't know. But yeah, I hope we can get that one done because um, yeah, we need some youth as well. And yeah. uh, English player, take that. Take that. Get that vibrancy in from from Jed Spence as well. Obviously, after he had a fantastic FA Cup run of Nottingham Forest, um, fantastic player to really watch as well. I'm not going to keep banging on about how Man United should be finding all of these players, but the fact that Man United aren't, but Spurs actually are in for a lot of these players makes it quite refreshing to see that some of the players that we are actually watching are actually doing quite well um, to be linked with some of these teams going forward as well. And it'd be fantastic to see Jez Spence as a right wing back for, for Tottenham Hotspur going forward this season. Seeing him in the Premier League, especially even if he does stay with Nottingham Forest and Middlesbrough sell him to Nottingham Forest would be really good to see going forward as well. Uh, yeah, I heard he was like looking for guaranteed playing time wherever he went next. I heard it was like a priority for him. So you know, if we if we're willing to give that to him, that's that's pretty pretty um that's a lot of trust to go for a young man. But he seems confident. So yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, when you're seeing some of these fullbacks like Trent, um, Reese James, even to an extent Aaron Wan-Bissaka, you're seeing a lot of them that have been playing since they were 19, 20 years old every other game in. The Premier League in League One or Championship, wherever they went on loan to as well, uh, respectively. So it's not the worst of things to be demanding top quality game time as well. Could it, it could even be like a proper 16, 17 games in the first season may not be the best thing for him. But if he's getting double that time for Spurs, it'd be even better. Could be in, in with a shout for England as well, which would be really good to see going forward. Like England don't have enough right backs. At the moment. Yeah, I was going to say it's going to be tough to get in there. So many of them to go through as well. Um, but now another another player I wanted to talk to you about. This one's kind of left field, but I want, kind of want to know your thoughts because I do know you like this player quite a lot, Lee. Christian Eriksen coming up to the end of his contract <laughs> at Brentford. Man United are officially in for him, but there are talks that Spurs could be in for him as well. So literally, just like I was building up the whole, oh, Man United should get this player, but Spurs are getting him. This is actually a head-to-head, apparently, in terms of how Spurs are looking forward to getting... Maybe Christian Eriksen back on a free transfer. What do you have to kind of respond to that? Do you, do you, think, it, do you think it'd fit into this Conte system? Do you reckon it'd be yeah. a bit part player with the condition that is in? What do you think, Oli? Like, I think some, maybe some of the fan base is split, um, but I think the majority would love him back because, yeah. you know, number one is it's a free transfer. So, yeah. it, it, uh, you know, we still have money allocated for buying other talents. Yeah. Um, I think he loves the club. I think he, he left because, you know, he needed a new challenge. And, you know, you can't blame him for leaving. And he went on and did a, yeah, did a madness. I think it took him a while to get to, into the squad at Inter. 
under you know, Antonio Conte as well. They had to find the right yeah. position for him. It wasn't one of the front three. He was playing as like a another one of the midfielders as well because they made it a free 5-2 under Antonio Conte. So he was one of the attacking midfielders in that midfield five as well. So that was something that he had to adjust to playing a new system under yeah. Antonio Conte. But yeah, as we said, you know, with the five substitutes, I think, you know, and building a squad, I think he could be a real game changer. And it's, it's what our team need because La Celso didn't work and Dombele didn't work. You know, these players came in to almost replace Ericsson and uh, maybe we're going to replace Ericsson with Ericsson. And, you know, I'm, I'm all for that because he's got the quality, you know, especially as we talk about like the low block, we come up against a lot, you know, with these these lesser teams and you need someone like Ericsson to pick out a pass or, you know, whip in a free kick, just anything, you know, and I feel like he's got that, that quality and uh, yeah, he knows Conte. But then on the other side of things, you know, um, he might fancy a new challenge with Man United and I'm sure he knows Ten Hag, you know, he was training with Ajax yeah, during his was. time, um, during his time when he was trying to get his fitness back. So, you know, maybe, maybe they can be persuaded um, maybe it comes down to playing time, but we've got Champions League football to offer. It could be could be a pool. But we'll see. We'll see. Are we'll you taking that menu, right? I would take him at Man United in a heartbeat, just like that. I'd love to mm. see Christian Eriksen at Old Trafford playing for Manchester United. I've I've suffered from Christian Eriksen scoring the winning goal against Manchester United at Old Trafford once before as well. So it's not <laughs> it's not it's not it's not great for me to. Oh, what season was that? I'm trying to think. That was 13-14. It was when Tim Sherwood was your manager. Added by your scored and Ericsson scored as well. And I'm like, for God's sake, we can't be that bad. We need Spurs even more. But it was a, it was a David Moyes type team as well. So it was one Moise. of those. Moyes. It really wasn't good for us that season as well. But no, Christian Ericsson, I've always appreciated him. He's always been a player I've, I've admired. And we've spoken before about him um, on the podcast and off the podcast as well, about how incredible he is. Uh, technically on the ball and how clever he is off the ball with his vision, off the ball runs as well. And even with the likes of him coming back and playing for Brentford, it was such a joy to see him come back in the way that he did as well. And honestly, if Man United were in for Christian Eriksen, at the time of speaking, they are, I would love to see him at Manchester United. Maybe not playing as a uh, every other game type player, maybe actually challenging uh, Bruno Fernandes for that first team position once he gets his fitness back up as well, because... That's been an issue recently at Man United when some of these players aren't playing well. They're not dropped to be replaced by the likes of someone who isn't as good, like the likes of Matt or Lingard. Didn't get as much game time when Bruno Fernandes wasn't performing, for example. So mm. with the likes of Ten Hag, who has got that relationship already with Christian Eriksen, I don't see why not. It would be fantastic to see Christian Eriksen back in a top club as well, playing European football. And he has recently said Champions League football would be great, but it's not priority for him just yet. So... Oh. We'll have to wait and see what happens with that as well. And if he does, I'll say this on camera, I will get a Christian Eriksen Man United shirt. That's how much I appreciate Christian Eriksen. Not Ronaldo, yeah. not Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> Christian Eriksen. Christian Eriksen is my guy, which would be great. Uh, fantastic. He's a hero, man. He's a hero. Man died, came back to life. My he, guy. <laughs> he inspired so many different people across the world with, with his fight going forward as well. Fantastic to see. Um, but yeah, let's just go through the team, how we're looking... 1-11, to Oli, because at the back, it looks like Hugo Lloris is going to keep his place for next season, so nothing really worrying yeah. about that as well. Right wing back, we talked about Doherty, Jed Spence, uh, Emerson Royale, so that could be a thing as well. Do you see any new centre-backs coming in? Because there were talks of Bastoni from Inter Milan coming in um, to be your next um, centre-back, because who would you have? You'd have, like, Sanchez, um, you'd have, well, yeah, you'd have Sanchez, Dyer, and Ben Davies, but would it be something like Sanchez, 
Dyer and Bastoni as your back three if Bastoni were to come in because he looks like a marquee signing for Spurs if you were to get him you'll be paying around 50 60 million pounds for him I think yeah no it's a shame because it looks like that deal is off uh, his agent came out and said yeah he wants to stay mm. I mean he's like an inter boy and yeah he's still young so maybe he doesn't feel like he's ready to move on or doesn't really want to move on it's fair enough inter yeah. are doing quite well these days but from my understanding is Tottenham are looking for a left-sided centre-back. So, um, obviously, we've got Romero on the right. Mm. We've got uh, yeah, Sanchez to cover, Dyer in the middle, and then Davies on the left. I think he's looking for a competition with Davies. And uh, I heard he's even open for offers for Sanchez. So, mm. I, I expect a, I expect a yeah, centre-back or, or maybe two to come in. Um, yeah, the talk of Bastoni... Uh, Bremer, Do you know him? Bremer, yeah, Bremer from Torino is a decent Brazilian centre back as well. So it'd be really good to see how um, he would fit into this team. But he's like a right, uh, right footed, right centre back as well. So he'd be quite good okay. going forward. There were there were links with Paul Torres, yeah, from Villarreal, quality player. I'm hearing something. Maybe we could try like ship off La Celso to Villarreal and yeah. get a deal for him, but. Whoever he, you know, I heard Man United, Man United are also in for Torres. So Man United have been linked with Paul Torres since literally the day he was born. Only with Man United, <laughs> always, they literally last for like two, three years, and then he'll move over to someone else, and we'll be like, "Oh, I wish we got him." And then he does really well. So Paul Torres <laughs> is someone who I've wanted at Man United for two seasons now since I've seen him play. Fantastic ball playing centre back, such composure on the ball as well. He'll probably be Spain's first choice centre back at the World Cup in Qatar 2022 mm. as well. So if you were to buy someone, it would be the time is now before Qatar, before their value shoots up even more as well. So Paul yeah. Torres, if you were to go in for him, if Conte does want to spend the money for him, because that's the way I kind of see it. You've got a couple of good free transfers in recently, which has gone really well for you. And you spent for Kulisewski in January. Your big signing, mm. from what I can see, will be the centre-back. And if you do have to pay 60, 70 million plus Los Celso to Villarreal, I think that'd be a fantastic deal for Spurs, personally, to get Paul Torres in. No, honestly, like, um, I think we're screaming out for a, a bit of a marquee signing. Uh, mm. I know, like, we made big movements with Basuma, but, yeah. you know, it's not really splashing the cash. So it would be nice to see us splash the cash. There's also um, some talk of Richarlison splashing the cash for him, maybe 50 to 60 million. Would you take Richarlison? I would, yeah. I think he's quite versatile and... Uh, you know, we need to start resting Kane and Son more, you know, over-reliant on them. So if we could get him through the door, that'd be great. But yeah, I think Chelsea one, won him too. One player I think would be decent at Spurs if you were to have get, got him, uh, what's his name? Mark Guhi. Guhi, Guhi. The from one from Crystal Palace. Palace. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he'd be a decent centre-back for you guys. I know you were talking about if Sanchez was to leave, but if you were to have got him, that would be a decent splash out if you were to splash like 25 30 million on him because I know Palace paid 18 20 million last summer for him but if he's interested in Champions League football if he's interested in keeping that competition up because he is in the England squad at the moment as well yeah. I think it would be a really good shout for him personally no I agree and again like I go back to the English quota like we haven't got much homegrown talent uh, yeah. in the squad these days so you know if we could get him in it's great where, where did Palace buy him from I'm not even sure they bought him from Chelsea last summer so it's only, only been at Chelsea. It's only been at Palace for one season. So, so would he want to come Spurs then? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say no to that. I think if you could guarantee him first-team football as well, that would be really good to see, mm. personally. 
I'd so he's, like he's right sided though, you say. Yeah. He's right sided, but just in terms of if you were to sell Sanchez, if he Sanchez. was to go off somewhere, then you've got someone who has got that Premier League experience, who's just as versatile across the back three as well, could play anywhere and can actually play with the ball to his feet as well. Would be Mark Gohi, I would think. I think yeah. he'd be quite decent. Um, yeah. yeah, and then left wing back, we've got Perisic, got Sesson Young. What about Regulon? Is Regulon looking to stay into the uh, Spurs team or is he looking to move on anywhere soon? There's talk that uh, they're open to offers for, for Reggie just because um, I don't feel like he's really fit in Conte's system. Yeah, he's more of a left back there, so I, I, I quite like it. I'd like him to stay, but um, maybe if they're thinking, uh, get some money for him and then replace him with someone else. Uh, I just don't know who else. I haven't seen us link with anyone else. Kind of almost feels like on the left is kind of going to be Sessegnol, Perisic, which would be great because mm. uh, Sessegnol can learn from Perisic. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's always going to get an, an injury, Sessegnol. So <laughs> I think we do need that. Uh, regu- I'm going to butcher his name. Regulon, uh, Regulon. backup. <laughs> Reggie. Or just like uh, to have them, yeah interchangeable would be great I don't really want to see him go but we'll see if you had to if you have to find someone a dream signing for left wing back Oli off the top of your head if he, if he does go would you think you would need a third left wing back would you reckon two will do for the season just knowing Sessegnol's um, injury mm-hmm. record mm. and knowing that Perisic could also be deployed in other positions I, I'd want more of a solid option there yeah um I can't even think of anyone off the top of my head who could come in. Maybe it would just be some any man from like Serie A or something. <laughs> yeah, there are quite a few um, people from Serie A that would be good options as well. Maybe if Jed Spence was to come, he could play on the left wing back as well. It'd be really yeah. good to see if he could be quite versatile moving over there. Yeah, we even had that Dara Hitty playing left, left back as well. So um, yeah, if he's up for the job. Why not? Yeah. I think Philip Kostic, if you were to have got him from Frankfurt, the Europa League winner, he would be the guy. He would be the main guy to get. Because Philip Kostic has been a banging player for a good four or five years, if I remember uh, correctly, from Frankfurt. So he'd be someone that I would like to see in the Premier League. But that's more of a dream signing if he does want to leave uh, Eintracht Frankfurt as well, because they've recently qualified for the Champions League after winning against Rangers um, going forward as well. Right, now we're on to midfield. We've spoken about how Basuma's recently just gone for a medical, so that'll be good news as well. You've got Hjorberg there, you've got Winks there, you've got Skip there. Do you think you need one more centre mid in, in that in that midfield to kind of ha- not really challenge um, the likes of Basuma or the likes of Hjorberg or the likes of uh, Bentancourt as well, but really just to kind of elevate that midfield a bit in terms of, you know what, we're a Champions League team now, we need a bit more maturity, a bit more quality in there as well. Uh, maybe even more of an attacking box-to-box presence as well, because I know he's not going to move to Spurs, but I think Yuri Tillemans, with the way he wants to leave Leicester, would be a decent signing for you guys as well as a quality box-to-box kind of player. Got that attacking, um, uh, attacking flair about him as well, and it's got a goal in him as well. I know we mentioned Christian Eriksen earlier, but um, do you have anyone in mind that you think would be a pretty decent player to bring as an attacking uh, midfielder or another centre mid for your for yourself, Oli? I'll be honest, my heart is set on Ericsson, as we as we mentioned. And uh, yeah, having Basuma as well to do more of the defensive work, it would free up someone like Ericsson. Um, yeah, obviously, Yuri uh, Tillmans would be great, but uh, I kind of have a feeling we're not going to sign him um, mm. just because we've got Basuma. 
who maybe they're a bit almost like for like in some ways. Um, but yeah, I don't know who else I I, I can think of think of really. Because um, you are getting rid of Dumbelli, most likely. You're getting rid of Lacelso, most likely. Hope as so, well. yeah. And Winks as well. Apparently, we're. Do you reckon Winks will leave as well? I think he's always going to just stay there as like that extra backup. <laughs> It'd be good to see him leave and play first-team football elsewhere. But if you were to get rid of these three centre-mids, bringing in one more midfielder, you've got you've had that talks of uh, Paqueta, Lucas Paqueta, the Brazilian Paqueta, player from, yeah, yeah. from Lyon. Lyon. Decent player he is. I mean, he didn't do that well against West Ham in the Europa League, but he had a decent <laughs> Europa League campaign, a decent league season. Uh, do you reckon Paqueta could do the job for Spurs? Um... Yeah, I, I mean, I'd take him. I think it would be an upgrade on Endor Bele. Maybe we could do some swap deal. Yeah. But actually... Leon just, to Leon, literally. Yeah. Just literally come back into my mind. Uh, James Ward-Prowse, we always linked with him. But um, Would you take I him, though? I would, because we need that. I think we need that. As I mentioned with Ericsson, someone who can whip a nice ball in to mm. a low block, someone who can take a free kick and just get a goal out of nothing. I feel like... Um, I think our, our team could really do with him. And uh, English quota again, but yeah, he'll come with that English tax, right? So <laughs> that Premier League tax as well would be like 35, 40 million as well, especially after after being in the England squad as well. Like we mentioned, Mark Gooey yeah. as well. Whenever he'd be uh, getting 40 million, something like that. Uh, I reckon it'd be a 50 million kind of guy. Maybe we can get a like, swap deal, ship off Winks to them or something. That would be Winks, really good man. as well. Yeah. It'd be good. I, I wouldn't mind seeing James Ward-Prowse in European football and Champions League football as well. So if he were to go to Spurs, that would be a decent offer. But if you were to get Christian Eriksen as your only midfielder after Bissouma, that's still not the worst thing in the world because I know the way that you're mm. playing, you've got the focus on just the two centre midfielders because everywhere else on the wings is where Conte likes to fry the two wingers on the outside, the two fullbacks on the outside as well. And then Harry Kane would be dropping in and out as well, like you said as well, um, going forward. And speaking of Harry Kane, Oli, what, what are your thoughts on Harry Kane? Because obviously Haaland's recently just kind of signed that deal for Manchester City. It's not really looking likely that he's going to be moving anywhere anytime soon. Do you reckon he'll be signing a new contract or do you reckon Spurs will be looking for maybe another striker, like you said, in terms of Richarlison to kind of look as a backup player or another striker to play alongside of Harry Kane? I do think um, Kane loves Spurs. I do think he wants to stay as long as the ambition's there. The yeah. way I see it, as long as Conte is with us, we're going to have Kane because yeah, he's not going to go to City now. Mm. Um, I'll say he's never going to go to Chelsea because he can't do that to us. Man. Can't do it. <laughs> um, can't, can't go to Chelsea. They, they kill strikers' careers, literally. Would not be exactly, right Exactly, yeah. Obviously, Liverpool just signed, um, I forget his name. Darwin Nunes. There we go. Pain so, for uh, that happen. I was so upset seeing Darwin Nunes go to so. That's a, is that another one that Manu should have got up, it's, right? it's someone that I've kind of watched since it's kind of moved to Benfica. So I was kind of there like, yeah, this is a guy. Let's get him in. He'll be really good. Um, but yeah, just wasn't wasn't the case. And Liverpool just swooped under us and got him. Yeah. Great. Great for Liverpool. Um, but yeah, Harry Kane, if he does end up signing a, another new deal as well, I think literally he's got the ambition with Antonio Conte there as manager. This is one of those things that you want to kind of see. And you really want to see Son being a bit more committed as well, like you said. He's signed a recent contract as well. He's quite mm. happy to be playing for Spurs. And he's one of the most dynamic duos in world football at the moment, Kane and Son. And Kulisewski, obviously, there as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing if you do get one more attacking player, if you do get another attacking player. There are links with Raheem Sterling, surprisingly. But Raheem <laughs> Sterling would be a, a really good player to have as a 
as another strike as well. There's also talks of Paulo Dybala, but that's just in terms of because it's a free transfer. His wages yeah. are a lot higher than expected as well. But um, is there an attacking player that you've seen, Oli, that you think you know what Spurs can kind of do with not just another backup player like Lucas or Bergwijn, but someone mm. who can actually challenge these kind of players? And I know you mentioned Richarlison earlier, but are there any other personal ones that you've kind of seen and you thought, you know what, he'd be decent for us? Yeah, good question, yeah. But I'll be honest, like, my heart is set on Richarlison now, but if I was to choose someone else, oh, I don't even know who I'd go. Obviously, Sterling would be quality, um, but I don't think he'd come to us because we can't really guarantee him to be a top dog and he'd probably want to be a top dog. I, I, um, would, I, would, I would disagree with that, to be fair. I think if you had Sterling, Son and Kane as your front three, and Sterling's contract runs out of Man City next summer with the likes of Haaland and Alvarez who they've signed this summer, I think you mm. could I think you would be able to give him like proper football, Champions League football, and with his link up already with Harry Kane at the England squad as well. Yeah. Maybe spending 35, 40 million on Raheem Sterling for Tottenham, moving him back to London, would actually be would actually be a really good deal. I would like to see Raheem Sterling play a lot more football than he has. He gets mm. a lot of discredit when by and by a lot of Man City fans, by the way that he plays. He's not the best of players. They always like to complain about the way that he plays as a winger. Still, we're not really a Pep Guardiola type of Pep Roulette merchant, for example. But with the likes of his contract moving out, uh, with the likes of his contract running out next summer as well, I think it would be fantastic to see. And even if he does have to rotate with Kulisevsky or Lucas or Son even as well, yeah, missing a game or two isn't the worst thing in the world. And Harry Kane and Sterling have already got that link up already. Just bringing Son into it or bringing Son into the Kane and Sterling equation would be even better. But it's just yeah. if Spurs want to go down that road of going for someone who is proven, Premier League proven, scored over 100 Premier League goals as well, nearly mm. 100 England caps as well, going to be there for England, starting for, for England in the World Cup as well. So I think Raheem Sterling for Spurs would be a fantastic uh, opportunity. Yeah. Just gassed me up now. Now I probably want Raheem Sterling. Now you said that, <laughs> Rob. I'm, I'm selling so, Raheem Sterling. I'm, yeah. I'm selling Raheem Sterling to you because I know Gabriel Jesus is looking at Arsenal, and if he was to obviously to leave as well, the Re- oh. Sterling and Jesus were to leave, go for Raheem Sterling. I would say, Just don't go for Mate. Marcus Rashford. He's unreliable, and I wouldn't go for Gareth Bale because he would be unreliable as well. Yeah. Richarlison or Raheem Sterling. If you're asking me out of the two, who I'd, who would I really want? I'd go for Raheem Sterling personally. Mm. Oh. And one of your listeners uh, forward this podcast onto Paratici and uh, Conte. (laughs) I feel like some people do listen in in the footballing world. They do listen to Friday Night Counter Attack because some things that we say actually comes into existence. Like we talked about how Cucurella was a really good left back and he'd be really good at uh, Man City. And now they're linked with him as well. We talked about how Haaland was going to go to Man City and it's happened as well. Uh, Then again, we spoke about how Ronaldo would reject Man City and it happened as well. So it's quite good. Mostly well, when you talk about Man City. Fully content, bro. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be done. It needs to be done. But yeah, those are the kind of players I think would be really good at Spurs. It's, it's great to see that you're actually spending the money and Daniel Levi is actually backing the manager fully because it's Finally, happened. Yeah. <laughs> You've been saying this for years and I thought, you know what, it's, it's about that time. So I'm really glad to see that it's actually happened as well. So um, yeah, the players that I would like to see come in, Raheem Sterling, Christian Eriksen, um, Paul Torres, Jed Spence, those are the four that I think would be really good um, to go in. Mark Guhi, if Sanchez leaves, that's how I yeah. see it as an objective point of view. But just to round up what we discussed, Oli, who would you want to see come in for Tottenham Hotspur if you had to pick your top three or four um, players to bring in? By the way, Basuma's okay. medical has been completed, so 
that's an official announcement. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. So, um, all right. So, I, I kind of, I'm going to go with Richarlison. I just think, um, I feel like he's got something to prove. He's a, yeah. he's a fire. Um, but yeah, the price tag might be a bit too much. So, I want to see, I see for him or Sterling now, if you've got me guessed up about Sterling. Mm. Or even you could say, um, Gabriel uh, Jesus, right? Jesus. If Jesus goes to Spurs from live from Man City, that would be crazy because I think he would want Champions League football. Here's again another player on the cusp of being in and out of the Brazil team for the World Cup. Um, shout out to the Brazil kit as well. It looks sick, by the way. I need to show you that later. <laughs> May have to get one before the World Cup starts as well. But Jesus definitely needs a, a starting position as well. And him even being a backup to Kane or playing with Kane at the top as well would be great. Yeah. But Sterling over Jesus for me personally. But if you were to go for Jesus, okay. I can completely understand with Jesus and Richarlison and Harry Kane. What an attacking <laughs> lineup you'd have as well. So yeah, Jesus. and then yeah, I want. I think Paul Torres would be quality. We need the centre back, mm. and then I'd, yeah, I'd love to see Eriksson back as well. I think our team's crying out for that. What about Gareth yeah. Bale? I I think he's. I'd love him back, but you know he's he's not he's not that guy anymore, man. I'll be yeah. honest. Like, it's not uh, the one. Is 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 past his sell by date at that top Premier League football, unfortunately. Uh, Hopefully, he does it for Wales at the World Cup, just not against England, against the USA and Iran. That'd be sick. So, <laughs> trust, trust me. No, it'd be really good to see. Um, but yeah, Paul Torres, Richarlison, uh, you said Cabrio Jesus and Christian Eriksen on the free. So those were your four that you'd be picking um, for Spurs as well, which would be good. Good going well, forward. I'm what about Jed? What about Jed? What about Jed Spence? Did you want him as well? I fully want him as well, man. I can't choose just three. I'm too. I'm too greedy. I yeah, think we need on. the right back. We need the right back. Do you so, need? Uh, do you need Jed Spence because you've got two right backs already, or do you need another striker because you're looking at maybe Bergwijn looking at maybe leaving? I would say. I'd say like most essential for me now we have Basuma is an attacking player, yeah. a right back and a centre back. I think we could maybe wait until January to improve the midfield again, but. Um, my exciting times, you know. I've never been this gassed over transfer, uh, summer transfer period because normally, you know, we're looking dead in the market. We're, we're doing the dodgy dealings last day. So, uh, nah, it's crazy, man. Enjoy it while it lasts. Paratici and Conte have got Spurs purring this summer as well. So it's good to see how they're going forward this summer with their transfer deadline deals as well. Because again, the deadline is going to be September and November. Everyone's off to the World Cup, so they want to get their players in early. They want to get them up for pre-season. Premier League starts in August, like the first or second week of August as well. So it's going to be mad to see how it really goes as well. So no, it was really good to hear your thoughts, Oli. Thank you very much for being on this part of the podcast. We're now going to... No, anytime. Uh, hopefully we get to chat to each other a lot more coming up this summer as well about Spurs and everything with England and whatever's happening going forward would be really good as well. Um, but yeah, this is the end of part one of our podcast. Stick around for part two where we've got um, non-league footballer Sean Higgins on the podcast. So thank you very much, Holly. Everyone see you in a bit. It's one of those episodes where I'm like, you know what, I've been looking forward to this one all week. It's been great to really um, get this one up and running because we do have another footballer on our podcast today. And this one is someone from somewhere close to me actually in, in north the northwest of England. So I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts from this as well, everyone listening to us, because we've had a couple of footballers come on and I thought, you know what, it'd be really good to meet a footballer in person and do a podcast, but with this one, we're doing it on Zoom. So for everyone listening, this is um, the life of a professional footballer from Sean Higgins. Sean, 
if I do mute myself, and for all of our listeners, if you if you hear me mute myself, it's probably because I'm sneezing and stuff. So I do apologize. <laughs> but Sean, how are you doing today? How's everything going? You okay? All good, mate. All good. Thank you very much. All good. Brilliant. Good stuff. And just to introduce um, you to our audience, who do you play for? What position do you play for? And how long have you been a professional footballer for? Um, so I'm playing at Oldham now. It's my first year at Oldham. Just mm. finished the season. It was great. Had a loan spell at Trafford, which was probably the best experience. Um, been at other clubs from like some Wigan when I was nine, started there, went to 16, got released, unfortunately, and then spent two years at Oldham, which yeah. was again was a great experience. But unfortunately, didn't work out after two years. And now I'm at Oldham, uh, which has been probably a very, very good club to come back to. And being a local lad, it's, it's a nice club to be at. No, it's really good to hear as well. And like I mentioned earlier, it's quite close to where you're um, brought up as well. So it's quite close to home as well. So how easy is that as a footballer that you don't have to keep travelling around the country for all these different clubs, for all these different opportunities that is so close to home for you to actually um, appear in, in these games as well? Like you said, Trafford is like 15, 20 minutes away. So you've got that mm-hmm. opportunity of still having your home comforts, your own social life at home as well. How has that kind of been yeah. for you personally this season? It's been good. I mean, being a local... Last from where we went to school in Oldham. My dad grew up in Oldham, so it's a very close part to our family life, really. Yeah. Um, it, like you said, it's a ten-minute drive, if that. Um, but I think for any football, it's easy to speak. Staying at home and not moving away, it's a lot easier. Um, especially for me being local, so it's a lot easier for me. Um, but Trafford's again a ten-minute journey, and that was very easy as well for me to settle in. No, it's really good to hear that as well. And um, in terms of your position, did you say you were a, um, a, a defender, was it? Right back, yeah. Right back. Right back. Right back. Yeah. So in terms of how you were growing, coming through the ranks at like Wigan and playing at Oldham as well, has your game had to change recently over the last couple of years because of how certain teams play with fullbacks now, especially at lower league as well? So how's that kind of been for you in terms of, has there been a transition? And if there has been, what kind of transition have you had to make um, as a fullback. Well, I, I started off as a as a centre mid. Okay. So I was about so I was about ten years old, and then they realised I was probably better going defending than I was going forward. So mm-hmm. I was pushed back to centre half for about three years, which I thought a very comfortable position, one that I really exceeded at. But obviously, for centre half, I think the physicality comes into play and. I kind of got pushed out to the side at fullback when I was 14. And ever since then, played right back, you know, since I was 14. But it, it does vary with club, what club you go to. Um, at Wigan, I think it was very much sitting, be patient with the ball. But being older and now Oldham, you're almost like a second winger. You're almost part, you're almost been told to get involved and. Be, be part of the attack, really, which is what I enjoy most in terms of being a fullback going forward and trying to get involved with the attackers and trying to grab a goal or assist, maybe. Yeah, because there's so many things in a fullback in the modern day and age that people criticise and analyse in terms of how um, a really good fullback is meant to look like. Are they meant to be better attacking wise? Are they meant to be better crossing wise? Are they still meant to be like a really good defender first and then? Everything else that comes as a bonus, like they're attacking, they're crossing, they're dribbling, for example. So how have you kind of done going forward with that as well? Like what have you taken into pre-season this summer? 
that you thought, you know what, I've had a good season last season with Trafford. What do I want to kind of develop on this time as well? How have you kind of gone about yeah. that? Sure. Yeah, uh, probably, obviously, attacking side is one that I'm always trying to exceed at. I think me defending, I'm very, very confident. 1v1 or as a back four, no matter what, I'm confident. So it's not an area that I wanted to work on, but especially attacking-wise and a lot of attacking players crosses, finishes back post, you know, all that comes in to being a fullback, really. Because I think, like you said, there's part of the modern day you're looked upon as a winger. You're not looked upon as a fullback at all. You're not looked upon as a defender. So it's important that now in the modern game, you try and exceed your attacking, attacking role, really. Because I've been looking through a couple of fullbacks and how they've been playing in the modern game as well. And I think a lot of them nowadays are all very focused on having a lot of stamina in their game as well, because you are kind of like that second winger. Before, a lot, um, when I was growing up as a, as a young guy coming forward, you'd see the likes of someone like Loren or Alan Hutton or Gary Neville or some of these kind of players, and they would barely go past the halfway line every now and then just to stop from the, stop the wing kind of counter-attacking against them as well. Now, defenders are literally like some... That I, I've said this for quite a while, to be fair, in our podcast. I think fullback is one of the top three positions on a football pitch, the most key critical positions on a football pitch, because there's so much more than just defending from a counter-attack or from an oncoming attack. It's in terms of being that second outlet on the right-hand side or even the only outlet on, on the wing, if you're a right fullback, for example, as well in terms of creativity, in terms of distribution, in terms of keeping possession as well, in dominating one side of your half as well. What do you think that that's going to happen to your game going forward as well, that you think you can bring more to it going forward as well? Because if you were to um, look at yourself last season, what did you do really well? Just so our listeners who may not have seen you or heard from you before, what did you do really well attacking-wise um, as a right-back last season? Um, I think the one thing you mentioned there that is stamina. I think that's got a massive role to play in being a fullback. And you talk about fullbacks being fit, getting up the pitch. You know, it's it's those overlapping runs. It's making space for the the winger because you know it could be times where you're overlapping your winger and you know you're not getting the ball, but you create a yard yard of space for for him to cross the ball or to get a shot off. So. I think that that's something that goes unnoticed about being a fullback or being an attacking player, really, those selfless runs. Um, so I think that was something that I was always proud of doing because it, was not, it wasn't so much for myself, it was for the, the team and the club in general. So I think that, but also mid-deliveries in terms of picking an area and getting, the, getting across in, whether it be by the touchline, where it would be deep cross, no matter what, it's, it's something that I've liked to become already, always exceeded at. The deliveries into the box, so I think that's for the, that for attacking wise was the two main main areas of my game, which I really thought was a big was a big step really for the team and helped them progress really. Yeah, that's really nice to hear, Sean, because there's so many people out there who, as like players that rather play in five a side, like someone like me, or if they're playing in semi professional football, that are listening to the podcast even one or two professional footballers or athletes that I know that listen to the podcast as well, they would be looking at seeing what they could always do to focus on their next weakness and their next weakness and their next weakness as well. And it sounds to me that you already have that mindset as well, which is really nice to hear, really refreshing to hear as well. Um, going forward, Sean, I just wanted to kind of ask you in terms of 
what kind of right backs do you kind of watch in your own time that you think, you know what, I can learn a thing or two from him or this is something that this defender does really, really well um, as a right back. So even if we start with the very basic of like the England right backs that we see with uh, Reese James, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Carl Walker, if you could name one thing you could probably learn from each of them that even our listeners could pick up a thing or two from them, what would they be um, that you would resonate with and why, Sean? Well, I think, like you said, the English fullbacks is this about three or four, and now you can pick from. But, now, like eight, um, nine we, of them as well. Jed Spence coming we, up in the, in the Premier League now, as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But um, probably for me, the one I look up to now is probably Reese James in terms of English fullbacks. I just think he can do it all. You know, I'm, not, I'm saying, obviously, Trent, Trent's a fantastic fullback, but for me, I just think Reese James can do it all. He's. His fitness, his power, especially his physicality, is a massive, massive part of his game, which he uses well. I, I, I think he's on par with Trent in terms of his crossing, which I think goes unnoticed. You know, I think he's scored more goals than Trent in terms of opening play. So, you know, it's stuff like you look at plays and you think, what can you add? And you do that every single day, whether you, even when you're training, you look at plays in your position. And for me, being a young lad, looking at players who had more experience and just watching them saying, look, can I do that? Or can I add a bit, can I add a bit more, a bit more speed into my game? Can I check my shoulders quicker? Can I play on less touches? That kind of thing. You're always trying to learn, especially from a young age, who, who's in your position and what they do and why they're there. So why the starting right back is there. He must do something better than me. So it's always, as a young lad, it's always about learning. So, and I think growing up as well, my my idol in terms of right backs was Gary Neville, and it might sound bad to some people, but you look at his professionalism, you look at his his discipline, his leadership, his I character, think that's a massive point. his demeanour, character, just like you were saying as well, all the things that people don't notice on a football pitch, but they notice off the pitch as well, or in the dressing room as well, how he impacts his fellow teammates, and even he admitted recently, not even recently, he's mentioned it loads of times, but. He knew he wasn't the best player at the club, but he knew that he cared so much about his club and about his own performances that even if there were better players around him, he wouldn't stop to say no. He wouldn't mince his words against against players like Rooney and Ronaldo and um, other players coming through into the club, making sure that their standards were as high as his, which made it so much easier as well um, going forward as well. But you said Gary Neville was your hero going forward as well. What would be the one thing that, Again, some of our younger listeners who only know Gary Neville as a pundit or as an England coach or Valencia manager, for example, what was one thing that you've taken from Gary Neville into your own personal game, Sean, that you've seen? Uh, I think I'd say he's, he's my idol because of his off-the-pitch ways in terms of his discipline and his leadership. But you know, when you watch Gary Neville, he was never known for being a, a top fullback. Maybe back in the, in the 90s when he was in his prime, Obviously, I wasn't born yet for that, but when you just see his professionalism, his record, he's won countless trophies, over 500 appearances for United. So just the fact of for players who who aren't good technically, tactically or anything like that with the ball, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but if you the player who works harder, he's probably got a better chance of a better player because of that as a coach, I reckon it's easier to to work with someone who's got a better attitude and that's just Gary Neville all, all over. Yeah, because talent can only get you so far, but hard work and um, discipline can take mm. you so many ways different forward and just moving 
as far as possible as well, which is really fantastic. To I, see think, as well. I think I think as well for, for an idol as a fullback, it was probably be Marcelo. Okay. You know, I've, I've just I've always watched Marcelo in terms of how he plays and being a, he's more of a recent fullback who I was able to watch and going forward he's, he's skilled. You know, you always see the Brazilian flair, don't you? So it's something that you, think you want to get off your seat and watch. And especially for a fullback point of view, it's he could go forward, he could defend, countless clearances of the line, even goals. So I think he's one as well that I want to try and base my game off, hopefully anyway. Yeah, I mean, with the trophies, that is one as well. And recently leaving Real Madrid as well at the end of the 2022 season as well. It goes to show that he is one of the most decorated footballers in world football of all time as well. I think he's in the top five in modern football, yeah. which is crazy to show that. He actually has been a name, uh, a big name at Real Madrid and he has been a mainstay in that team for God knows how long as well, which has been fantastic to see. Um, but yeah, Sean, just before we wrap up on this conversation on fullbacks, I just wanted to know your personal top five Premier League fullbacks of all time and why. Not really why, to be fair. Just We normally do like a six-a-side, but it wouldn't make sense to have loads of fullbacks on a six-a-side pitch. Actually, you know yeah. what? It would. Let, let, let's, let's, go, let's carry on with the theme. If you could name... All of your favorite right backs, because you are a right back in a team, your top six, and we'll make them in like a six aside type of team. Who would they be and why? And I'll try and play along as well. <laughs> okay. Uh, obviously, I won't have any keeper, but I think me, me, is this world or just England? Just or... in the Premier League, yeah. Uh, and we'll do it all time just so we don't have to do it on recency bias and stuff like that. Right back, you, you can, yeah. <laughs> Probably, I'd put Pablo Zabaleta in there in yep. the defensive game. Um, I'd go, who else? I'd, I'd put Gary Neville in there. Um, I'd put Carl Walker in there. Walker. I'd put uh, Trent in there. And now I'm just trying to think between. You got two yeah. more choices. I've got two more. Yeah, so you got six aside. So you've got Zabaleta, Gary Neville, Trent, and Carl See, Walker. There's not that many former right backs that you can really put in there. So there's, there's a few, but probably not as good as the ones that we're mentioning yeah. as well. Uh, I'd like to put Reece, obviously Reese James in there. Definitely has to go in. Reese James, nicely done. Oh, is there anyone you can name? Anyone you can name? My challenge is I have to name plays that you have you haven't picked. So I'm letting you pick this oh. last one because all of the plays you picked, I can't pick them. So it's up to my create kind of creativity to try and think of some of these plays that you've picked, but I need to pick a team to face this one as well. Yeah. Oh. This is why it makes it easier for the guests because they get all the ones off the top of their head and I'm there thinking, oh God, who would haven't you, you mentioned yet? That would be really good. Would you would you class as you class Cancelo as a as a right back? Or yeah, not? definitely, definitely a right back. Well, I, I was contemplating whether he's a right back or left back, but yeah, Cancelo. nah, he's, he's definitely a right back. He's right back for Portugal, right back for Juventus. It's just Pep will play him sometimes right back or sometimes left back as well. So yeah, nah, nice shout. So your right back six aside team, Sean. We've got Zabaleta, Gary Neville, Carl Walker, Trent Alexander Arnold, Reese James, and João Cancelo. Oh, God, this is time for me to try and combat this with some players that I need to try and think of. Right, first things first, Cesar as Piliqueta is my guy. So as P is right back, he's been a proper right back for years at Chelsea, sometimes right centre back as well. 
And I'm going to be going back to Chelsea and I'm going to be uh, picking someone who I think has been over overlooked so many times in like, you know, all these all-time teams and Premier League teams and stuff like that. Branislav Ivanovic. I yeah. think he's been a quality player, quality centre-back, quality right-back. I think the two seasons under Angelotti had were some of his best seasons in a Chelsea shirt and obviously winning the Champions League in the FA Cup the season afterwards as well. Di Matteo, fantastic right back to kind of see there as well. I'm going to go for... Who can I go for? I was thinking of... Yeah, there's been quite a few. I don't want to go for Bakary Sagna. No no chance for Bakary Sagna. Um I can think of one off the top of my head, which I really regret. So you can have him if you fancy it, Antonio Valencia. Ah, Valencia. I wasn't thinking of him as a right back, but he had he did play right back and he did win players player of the year as a right back as yeah. well for Man United. So that's a shout. As for Quetta, Ivanovic, Valencia. Um, I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for Loren from Arsenal. I thought it was a yeah. quality right back as well. Um, I was thinking of Sagna, but I thought Lauren was just a bit better. Again, he was an invincible right back at the same time. And he was a proper no-nonsense defender. And I really like watching him play as a proper defender going forward as well. Mm. Someone who, at the time as well, there weren't... It's, it's odd to say it now, but at the time, there weren't many successful like African players in top English clubs at the time. And yeah. seeing um, Lauren come through and being uh, a proper main man at Arsenal as well was fantastic to really see and really understand how well he did for um, for Arsenal mostly as well I don't know who he played for before to be fair so I just remember him from Arsenal I'm still thinking of, of people who aren't the Dixons I've got Azpilicueta Ivanovic Valencia Loren um, now we're going through a couple here going through quite a few I'm not going to go for Luke Young I'm not going to go for uh, who am I thinking of? There's a lot. There's a lot. that I'm pretty sure I've missed out so many of them, which ain't great. But I'm going to go for... Who is decent? No, this is painful. Yeah, this is, this is so painful. This is, this is what I mean. This is what, this is what happens on the podcast. I'm trying to think of... Actually, Kieran Trippier. Oh. Kieran Trippier, <laughs> that's it. That's so we've got Trippier, Ivanovic, Valencia, Loren... Now I just need to find one more um, player to go for as a right-back. Actually, no, I can't pick him. I was thinking of Wes Brown, but I was like, Wes Brown is decent, but not all into there as well. Could you put Spencer there now? We've got got John O'Shea, we've got Valencia, Steve Finnan. um, Glenn Johnson. Glenn Johnson, that's a good idea. Glenn Johnson, another former England right-back as well. He did really, really, really good. Um, yeah, this this is lit. Uh, no, no. But everyone listening, they're just like, this is the first time that I've actually been stumped picking like a proper right back as well. But I think just to move on with the conversation, I'm going to go for... Actually, no, I'm not... Yeah. Go on, let me go for it. I'm going to go for... Yeah, argument's sake, just put Lee Dixon in there. <laughs> it's not the best action, is it? Yeah, I mean, he did really well for Arsenal, but it's just one of these rules that I have for myself, um, Sean, is the fact that I need to kind of see the player. I need to remember what the player was like. And for me, I didn't really remember watching Lee Dixon um, 
in Arsenal's colours as well. And obviously, he may have been a bit before my time as well. So it's just one of those things that I have a rule for myself. So it, it tests my footballing knowledge on the spot. But the fact that you picked some of the most amazing right backs we've seen yeah. in the Premier League, it kind of shows that you were testing me really well. And that was pretty good as well, because I'm trying to think of who else we could really say. I, th- I wasn't going to go for Seamus Coleman, because Seamus Coleman... I, 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 nah, I was thinking of Lee Dixon. James Coleman was, was good, but Lee Dixon was much better as well going forward. But yeah, that's, that's kind of it. So we've got Lee Dixon, Kieran Trippier, Loren, Valencia, Ivanovic and Azpilicueta versus Cancelo, Reese James, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Kyle Walker, Gary Neville and Cesar Azpilicueta. Nicely done, Sean. Ah, oh, my days. So moving on to the next part of the podcast, Sean, I just wanted to kind of know your thoughts on um, how everything's going as a Man United fan from your point of view as well, because... Me as a Man United fan, I've not expected anything different this summer from the board. We've seen the same kind of shenanigans from the press in terms of we're linked with this player, we're linked with that player, we may be in for this player. This player's now moved to this team after being linked with Man United for the whole year. What are your kind of thoughts on the summer transfer window for Manchester United? Because for me personally, I'm not expecting that much. I know we've, lot of, we've let a lot of players leave. We may have one or two more people leaving as well, but do you see any anything positive coming um, this summer from Manchester United, Sean? No, probably not. <laughs> Nothing. I'm not. I'm not optimistic. I think the fact that United United are trying to say well, we need to get top four is embarrassing as a club. Yeah, that's that's what it is. We're, we're fighting for, for top four, but you got to think now is where where do you really start in terms of there's that many problems in the whole club, not just the team in the whole club. Yeah, it's where they start. So, I think obviously with the, we've been massively linked with it, Frankie De Jong. Yes. So I think that I think that'd be a great start for United. But again, you're looking at you need at least two fullbacks to come in, a centre half to come in for a round. I say another winger. You know, and that's just the team. You know, you got to think of upstairs, what's going on behind the scenes, that kind of thing. But I think other than that, that's the, they're some of the main things you have to look at, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned the two different fullbacks as well because it's been, what, eight, nine years now since we've had Luke Shaw in the, in the team. So he joined us at the end of uh, uh, 2014 season, so 2014 to 15. So it would be nearly be, what, eight, nine years since there's been a yeah. Manchester United player. And we've been seeing so much in terms of hope and prospects from other clubs in terms of their young players coming through doing really well their young signings at fullback doing fantastic. But Man United are always faltering. We've got the likes of Brandon Williams and Ethan Laird coming back from their loan spells um, from the Championship and from the Premier League respectively as well. But do you see anything in the academy from what you've seen from like Ethan Laird or Brandon Williams that you think, you know what, they can actually start for us next season or they can challenge the likes of Dallo and Wan-Bissaka to a starting position? What I mean, do you think, it's probably not hard to challenge any of those right backs. It's not hard, is it? But it really isn't. It's it's, it's definitely not. I'd like to see Ethan Led be given a good chance uh, in pre-season at least from mm. Eric Ten Hag. It would be nice to see how he copes with first team uh, appearances as well. And it would be refreshing to kind of see how it works at the same time because Ethan Led is someone who had a decent season for Bournemouth last season as well. They got promoted to the Premier League. They're back up um, in the big time. And Ethan Led was playing I think played at 35 40 games for them last season as well so it's done really well for them in terms of um being a mainstay in the championship and that's what a lot of players kind of like yourself like you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that's kind of what they just want 
to be playing football, to be getting out onto the pitch, to be getting that hands-on experience in terms of how they can actually play um, going forward as well. And that happened for Brandon Williams as well, playing every other game at left-back for, um, for Norwich last season as well. But do you think Brandon Williams has it in him to overtake Luke Shaw next season and Alex Tellez as a left-back? I, I want to say yeah, but I don't think he has. Mm. Um, I think Ethan Les, I think, got a better chance in terms of who he's up against. And again, Brandon Williams is his first proper loan spell out. Yeah. Ethan Leeds, I know he went Swansea, Bournemouth. So it's, there's two, there's two already. Um, but I like to see as well <clears throat> Jimmy Garner try and come in and break in. Oh, uh, you, we would need that. We would need yeah. that going forward. What, what, you saw, the... what, what you saw at Nottingham Forest is tenacity, is quality on the ball, is set-piece delivery. You know, if he can make it night, if he's given the chance, you know, Scott McTominay was given a few chances and they trusted him. You know, I think, I think again, Jimmy Garner could be twice the player Scott McTominay is. Yeah, there's a different kind of player completely as well, but it's very similar to how Michael Carrick played, but he had a bit more about him, a bit more, like you said, tenacity about him as well. Do you think Ericsson Hogg would like to see him and like a him and Van der Beek in midfield and Fernandez as a number 10? Because I think that would be a decent start in midfield for next season if we don't get Frankie de Jong. But if we do get Frankie de Jong, it could be a de Jong, Van der Beek, Fernandez type midfield. But where do you think uh, Jimmy Garner fits in for next season for Man United? I think it'd be if if the Frankie de Jong deal goes through, I think he'll be struggling in terms of playing. Yeah. You've got, you've got the likes of Bruno, the likes of Van der Beek who will come back. Uh, Fred, I think Fred was massively underrated this year. I know people take the mick mm. about him and all that, but you've got to think he was probably the most consistent midfielder that we had in the team. And, you know, there's n- other than Ronaldo and De Gea, there's no one else to me that you could say he was quality. He was, he, he was on par. As, and I think Fred was the only one who came close, really. Yeah, so I, I think, would say so as well. Yeah, so I think I think Jimmy Garner might struggle. But all it needs is a few injuries or a few inconsistent performances to, to shape up and change it, and then he takes his chance. Yeah, and let's not forget as well, next season in the Premier League, each team has five subs they can use. They have up to five subs they can use for... Um, all their games going forward for the next Premier League season, which would be fantastic to see. Um, I think it's personally something that's that's why we need a bigger squad. We don't need to get rid of a lot of these players straight away as well. So bringing through the likes of Hannibal and bringing Garner back in and Laird back in, it's not the worst decision in the world to see them stay at the club, even though you may think that they're going to be coming back in and then going back out on loan again. I think it'd be quite good because even the likes of uh, Facundo Pellistri coming back from uh, La Liga as well. Being a backup winger is not the worst thing in the world if we need to bring on another full, uh, another winger, sorry, as well. It'd be really good to see how he does under Eric Ten Hag. And Ten Hag's worked with younger players like him before and made them into world beaters, like we saw with Anthony at uh, Ajax as well, which would be a, a winger that I've really wanted to see come forward at Manchester United, which would be really good to see going forward. But again, just from what you were saying, Jimmy Garner, James Garner, I think he's had a fantastic season at Nottingham Forest. It'd be great to see him really move forward for Manchester United. And I think Ericsson Hogg would be a great manager to um, teach him the ways. And it's a fresh start for everyone going in as well. I know Ericsson Hogg's had a way of discipline about him recently, which was really good to see in terms of how he went about his press conference, how he's gone about um, his introduction to English football as well. But 
it's all going to come down to results. It's all going to come down to that first game of the season, whoever we're playing against as well. Mm-hmm. At the time of speaking, we don't know who we're playing against. So it's going to be exhausting to see how Man United recover from last season. But it will be a decent journey to see how Ericsson Hag actually moulds this team into his own because he will take a couple of seasons to get it to his right um, shape, I would say, personally going forward as well. But what are your expectations for Manchester United for this next season, Sean? Just so I can get that on record. So next season when we won the league, we don't know where the league, but I'll say that anyway. When, we, when we're doing well next season, we can come back to this as well. Listen, if United win the league, I come around and give you a thousand pounds, definitely, no matter what. It's going to uh, happen. It's going to happen. I need that a thousand pounds. I need it. <laughs> but, um, I think the expectations that I've got, obviously, for United is a lot more attacking football. I think a lot of patience is needed for United in terms of Ten Hag. I've really, so far, I think obviously it was Pochettino and um, Ten Hag were the two favourites, weren't they? But Definitely. Even even if Poch, Pochettino got the job, I wouldn't be as happy as I would if Ten Hag. I think Ten Hag for me was my main one that I wanted to get. You look at the trophies he's won. I know it's the Ajax. I know it's that kind of league, but you can only really work with what you've got. And Definitely. He, he won. He won. He won a few trophies. He went on a great Champions League run. He got to the Europa final, Europa League final against United actually, and back in 2016-17, with again the youngest squad in the whole competition. So he just shows now what you can do. And then obviously with the likes of Poch, PSG, you win the league, fair enough. But you could lose about five games and still win the league in that in that division, and yet with that squad you should be winning everything, and he loses the Champions League. So it's one of those really, which, which why I really, really got high hopes for Ten Hag, and I think as a, as a whole squad, you just look at the quality; and it's all there. Whether or not they can deliver on the pitch, I don't know. Only time will tell. But I've got I've got high hopes, but not where not where I'm not blinded and say you know even in the league. But I've got high hopes at least. Yeah, definitely. It can it can only be high hopes from what we've seen over the last eight, nine years as well as a Man United fan. So it can only be something positive because we've got a fresh start. We've got fresh faces in. We've had some old faces go out, which is quite good to see as well because there's even rumours of Christian Eriksen coming in on the free transfer, which I personally would love to see. I think it'd be a fantastic player to play. And obviously with his condition that is in, he won't be playing every game, but it'll be a fantastic player to be seen in the Europa League, uh, in the League Cup and the FA Cup as well. It'd be fantastic to see Christian Eriksen and what he would bring to Manchester United would be an attacking flair, composure on the ball as well, and competition, like genuine competition. Like Bruno Fernandes isn't doing well. Christian Eriksen isn't, isn't going to just want to sit on the sidelines. He'll be doing really well to get back into the team, which is what we've kind of needed over the last couple of years as well since Bruno's been in because a few, a few managers have been afraid of dropping him for the likes of Lingard or Mata because they know they'll lose that kind of attack output from Bruno Fernandes not being there. But yeah, it'd be really good to see. Um, but no, Sean, we're wrapping up the podcast now. I just wanted to know what your kind of hopes and aspirations were for next season going forward and um, what you're kind of looking forward to. Because I know we're still in pre-season for you at the moment. What are you kind of expecting from yourself this pre-season before heading on to your new season starting in August, September time? Uh, I'm, I'm hoping for a good start in pre-season. I think physically I'm almost there. I've, obviously, we've still got about another two weeks for me personally, I think it is. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still confident that I'll be all right to go back. I feel physically fit. Um, you know, I just want to start pre-season strong, start pre-season on the right foot. 
and hopefully the manager sees that and gives me an opportunity with the first team. Um, but I'm looking forward to trying to progress in my career. I know being I'm only 19, so when you think of it, I'm a baby, really, in the football. So I've got a lot of experience to do. So whether or not I go out on loan, I don't know. But if I do, again, it's a massive chance for me to experience, you know, new team, new new way of playing, playing against men, playing in front, again, of a crowd of, again, around 1,000 fans. So I think that that's something that I'm looking forward to again. But, you know, I'm looking forward to the season and what it brings. And hopefully, fingers crossed, it comes with great opportunities. And just remember as well, for everyone listening, we're talking to someone who is in non-league football at the moment or National League football as well. The fact that, this last the last couple of weeks we've seen Jared Bowen make it into the England squad after playing non-league football like five, six years ago before in his career goes to show that anything is possible when you've got the right mindset, you've got the right ability to train, you've got the right mindset in terms of developing yourself each and every day. So I'm really looking forward to seeing your journey, Sean. I'm looking forward to seeing where you will be ending up. Because if, if you do end up in like a Premier League team, I'll come round to your house and I'll give you a thousand pounds. And then you can obviously give it back because it'll be like a, a gesture, that type of okay. thing as well. Okay. It'll, be, it'll be really good to see. But literally, the sky's the limit for you, Sean. And I can't wait to see what's happening for you next season as well, which will be really good. Um, but yeah, this is the end of this part of the podcast. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. Sean, big thank you to you who's helped me get through this podcast with this hay fever issue I've been suffering with all week. So normally I'm not like this, but it's just the fact when you spend so much time outdoors in the sun, it's like a painful feeling, man. It's so, so bad. But um, just before we do close the podcast, where can everyone find you? Where can everyone uh, follow your journey um, on social media or which team you're going to be at? That kind of thing, Sean. So by all means, just let everyone know. Yeah, yeah so my Instagram is underscore Sean Higgins. It'd be a massive, massive help if you want to follow. It'd be great. Um, currently at Altrican Football Club. So again, drop them a follow. It's a great club. It's a great community club and they've just gone full time now. So it'll be a massive help for the club in terms of getting support up and morale. So, yeah, again, Oldscom and underscore Sean Higgins, that's the one. That's the one. Everyone in Manchester, listen, make sure you support your local club. Oldscom is a local club for a lot of people as well that they can easily support as well on their, on their doorstep, literally. But everyone, thank you very much for listening. Sean, thank you very much for your time. Again, take care and goodbye. Thank you.